Welcome to the Jackets Online Podcast. We are back, like we said we would be. We're going to try to keep doing this more often. This week, uh, we have a little more of a normal show. Uh, I'm joined by Russell Johnson. This is Kelly Quinlan, publisher of Jackets Online. And we're going to talk about uh, recruiting and kind of what's going on. And it's not maybe been the start that Jeff Collins would have liked in recruiting. I know that uh, they had a lot of momentum going into this 2021 class. But at the end of the day, um, or as of the end of April, things haven't maybe started the way they wanted to. They've got two of their top slot guys committed, their top big defensive end committed, and a corner that fans weren't exactly jumping up and down about, uh, or safety or whatever Sean's going to be. Um, I guess he's a big corner. And, uh, that's what they have committed right now. It's not maybe what people were expecting. They haven't had that splashy Rivals 250 kid jump in the boat yet. And Russell, kind of where do you see things at right now? With uh, where do you see the things for Georgia Tech's recruiting? Yeah, I think you kind of you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, like you said, it's it's not the end of the day. It's April 30th. Um, tomorrow's May 1st. Um, that May is normally a month where there are several 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 commitments all over the country. Um, the May to July window is, is one of the most prime windows in recruiting for commitment, offers, and what we would normally have is camps. Um, but, but like you said, you know, right now things are not going exactly the way um, planned. Uh, there's been some, some misses. You know, we can, we can dive right into the, the number one miss, and that was on Thursday. And Trinillius Tatum um, committed to South Carolina, choosing them over Georgia Tech and a handful of others, including Oklahoma and whoever else was in his top schools list that he released. But it was really just those two, and then Oklahoma was really the one that stood out of the rest of that list. Um, missing on Tatum is, is big for, for several reasons. Uh, number one, he they were the first offer for Tatum. Uh, number two, they had the bunks relationship with Tatum, obviously because they had offered first. And then lastly, because he was on campus so much. I mean, he, he became such a, a regular on campus and was, was there and, and talking about Georgia Tech because they were the first to offer that it, it, it kind of seemed like the fit for him. Um, and then South Carolina seems, at least from, uh, from Chad's story posted on, on rivals.com was, the commitment to South Carolina that they they were the last school that he visited before the shutdown. And, you know, that, that really hurt Georgia Tech in his recruitment. Yeah, it's been kind of weird. The strength of this staff is getting kids on campus and getting in, them on campus over and over again and getting in, in their face and hanging out with them and showing them the love and the kind of focus of uh, the way this staff operates and the family atmosphere and all of that. It's been tough. It's hurt football recruiting. It's hurt in basketball recruiting right now. The strength of the both those staffs is kind of the in-person recruiting. And they didn't get the evaluation pe- period here in April and in continuing now into May. So there's no high school visits, no watching spring games, none of that stuff they would normally get. And most of the kids, you know, they, they had a lot of kids in. They did a good job of front-loading kids in before that spring break and after which everything shut down. But, before, you know, 
the way they do this thing and the way that Jeff's kind of Jeff Collins is kind of structured is it's they put a lot of a lot of uh, personal time in with every kid, right? So I think it's hurting them a lot right now, not being able to be in person with the kids and to spend time with them and then have them around the other kids in the program who are really some of their best um, salespeople, for lack of a better word, in terms of selling the program and the vision and all that, seeing it in action. And so it's going to be tough because it's not like they can fall back on, you know, Jeff's had five jobs where he's, you know, he's not like um, some guy who's worked his way up slowly through the coaching ranks and had 10, 15 years of coaching experience as a head coach. He's a guy who's, this is his second job. He's in his fourth season as a head coach. And uh, they are coming off a rough season and clearly in a bit of a rebuild for what they want to do. So all of those factors are tough when you're going against South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, um, Clemson. And then, you know, those are all dogfights. And then you have North Carolina resurging and um, a few other schools kind of dipping in here and there with kids. And it's made it tough on them because it's hard, and now they're trying to go out of state, and that gets harder when you can't go on the road and go to Texas and Shark Choice and, and um, whoever else can't go to whatever, you know, you know whatever high school it is and go press the flash and be in the kid's face and say hello. And those, seeing those people makes a huge difference to these kids. Just seeing Marco Coleman walk in your high school in Jacksonville and knowing who he is and all that stuff makes a huge difference. Like to these kids, whether people don't want to believe it or not, and you're not this is not Kirby Smart, is not Nick Saban right now, is not Mac Brown, who all these kids watched on television for years uh, as young kind of impressionable people. This is Jeff, who's you know a successful defensive coordinator and a young head coach. So it's going to take them a little while to to get their feet and. I think the biggest weapon they had has been taken out from underneath them. And it'll be interesting to see, like, if if the pivoting's good. And also kind of there's a lot of other stuff going on here, too. Something you referenced at the very beginning is we haven't had our camp that we normally have. Uh, I'm supposed to be in New Jersey this weekend for a rivals camp that was canceled two months ago. Like, the stuff that we normally get to see and evaluate these kids isn't going on either. So the movement that you would normally see in terms of the rankings isn't going on. So a kid like Jimmy Haynes or uh, or Jamal Haynes or um, Greg Carroll or whoever can't really move their stock right now. And it's going to be interesting to see how static the ratings stay um, without the camp element because, quite frankly, it's just a resource thing for us to be able to go out and see. And really the most important people who are like Chad Simmons or – Adam Friedman or uh, Josh Hemholt or whoever to go see these kids in person, that's going to be really taxed when it, when and if they play high school football because they're going to have a lot of kids to cover and there's only one or, or two of them in each area. Yeah, for sure. I think that's going to be the um, one of the more trying times for for the national analysts at least in in their their lifetime. No, that's kind of, that's not that sounds like it's exaggerating, but it, it's really not because there's so much pressure on them to, to nail the ratings every single cycle that when there's a possibility that you're not going to get to see somebody in the in small town Mississippi or small town in southern Georgia throughout the, the entire season because you have so many other kids to see that there's going to be people who 
there's going to be more underrated prospects who signed with big schools than there would normally be. Like, uh, I think it was three years ago, Alabama signed a, a two-star linebacker in South Carolina. And yeah. that linebacker, I don't, I don't believe he's, he's contributed much, but his recruitment blew up so late that it was too late for the analysts to see him live in person. And as a result of that, you can't just bump up a recruit because he has power five offers. That's not how rivals does things. No, it's not how we do things, but other networks do things a little bit differently. And there's a, a very famous story about that involving an offensive lineman from Georgia who uh, Georgia Tech are. This was when Paul Johnson was here. His name was like George Addison or something like that, or some, some, it was some weird as a kid. I think they have come from Africa and had only been playing football a little bit of time. And Georgia and all these schools offered him late, Georgia Tech, Alabama. And Virginia had been, like, the school that had been on him the longest. So another network that were remained nameless made him a four-star recruit. We had him as a two-star <laughs> because that was what he was. He was a project. And but another network seemed to think he was going to go to Georgia Alabama. And the kid signs with Virginia, and I don't think he ever played. And uh, – they just looked foolish and got kind of called out by people for kind of stuff in their, um, stuff in their ratings a little bit. So there's, there's always some fun games that go on in recruiting. Um, that, that was probably one of my favorite stories I've seen uh, in my good. time. That's a great example of how that sometimes goes down, right? Like, um, i trying to think what the kid's name was and where he's from. Um, but yeah, it's just funny to me. Like, uh, there's, we try to do the best we can, right? And we have checks and balances in place for our, our guys who do rankings. And other places have less of that going on, and there's a little more, a little more wild, wild west. And um, I think you end up with situations like that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the way that the situation is going to play itself out at least if there is a high school football season is that the analysts who are covering teams you know like myself like you we're going to be at a lot more games than we normally intended to be and that's not just because we don't have things to do or we have extra miles that we have to use by the end of the year it's because that we need that extra time number one with the the coaches and the the players to get, you know, conversations going and to to build relationships, but more importantly to evaluate the kid and to see if the hype is real or if he really should be a 5.7 instead of a 5.4, things like that, rather than just going strictly off of a week's worth of film or something like that. And I think that's the thing. Like I've had several, several recruits, um, trainers, seven-on-seven coaches, whatever you want to call them, everybody. I've had them reach out the past couple of weeks and, you know, ask, well, when are the, the ratings going to be updated? And I'm at, my response is always, what are we updating the ratings off of? Has there new film? Like, I mean, that's really all we have. I've had – I had a, a quarterback's dad send me yesterday um, – like film of him from like seven on seven stuff and other kind of weird. Um, like he, he had filmed him at like a Friday night light somewhere at a school and 
in, in the summertime and stuff like that just to have some additional stuff to go off of because he was in an offense where they ran the football a lot, so it's not really great situation to to judge him off of, you know, because he was a guy who was being recruited as a dual-threat quarterback. And he didn't just didn't throw the ball much in the offense he was in. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a perfect example. Or somebody who's changing positions, a quarterback who projects better as a, an athlete, like the um, Jaden Johnson from South, from South Georgia that was offered earlier this past week. Like those kind of kids, they're, they're getting the, the chance to be evaluated now rather than the summer because a lot of these coaches don't know or they've already had in their minds that they're going to cancel their summer camps and that these kids aren't going to be able to, quote, unquote, earn those offers that they would, would normally. Yeah, and that's sort of the, the humor, the situation, the way this is going to play out. And it stinks for these kids that are um, kind of in in the, uh, I guess, in this limbo spot, right? I talked to a kid yesterday that is basically on the edge of getting his first FBS offers. He has a lot of FCS interest and in, in some offers. And he was just like, you know, he didn't was unsure what was going to happen just because he can't take visits right now. He can't see what um, – like, he can't go work out for offers. He can't do the things you'd normally be able to do. And this is a kid who's talented enough to earn those, but he's kind of on the fringe of, you know, and the schools that are being a kid in Georgia, really it's Georgia State and Georgia Southern, because um, he's not really an ACC or an SEC level guy. He's a guy that could play at Louisiana Tech or Louisiana Lafayette or, you know, maybe a Georgia Southern, but he's probably on the edge even for a school like that. And it really narrows his options. And he doesn't even have the opportunity to go on those offers because he can't go camp. He can't, he would want to go to the academies and camp with those guys or work out for them or whatever. And those kids are stuck right now. That's hard. And one of the things that Coach Collins staff has been good at is if you look at kind of where their early offers have been, they've been on very on target with, the right kids to be recruiting. It's just a matter of closing them and being able to sell them on what your plan is long term. And um, the the it takes two or three years to really get that momentum going. And I think people were thrown off a little bit by the success the first year. And I said it's going to be hard to maintain that in the sh- very short term. Um, this next cycle, they're going to have fewer scholarships, and they, they're not going to be signing 25 or 26, I don't believe. I think they're going to be at 20 um, if they're lucky. And you got to maneuver around that. You know, like it's just going to be harder for them as uh, they try to, to narrow their focus. And, and they're learning kind of how things work at a school like Georgia Tech. It's not a school where you have enough turnover every year to sign – 25 kids next year they have 17 seniors so if you look at that with attrition you know you're coming up at 20 ish and then the year after that they're down to 14 again and then it goes back up to 25 so like it's gonna take some time to maneuver around all of this and some roster management skills as patrick Suttis, his job is to kind of help guide this program and get them back on track. It's the biggest problem when you have a major coaching change and system change is reassessing your roster. And 
Collins is famous for talking about the 13 running backs. Well, they do have too many running backs. They have about three too many right now on the roster. So that takes away from other spots, right? So all of those things have to be processed and dealt with, and um, it makes them have to hit harder on the, the spots that are open a little bit and really hit home runs with those. And that's where it's going to be key how they close this class because they're not going to be able to sign four defensive ends in this class. They're not going to be able to sign seven offensive linemen and see which ones work out. That's not happening. Like the numbers just aren't there for that. So I'll be curious to see what this class ends up looking like. I still think they have an opportunity to be a top 30 class, but I think people expecting them to suddenly jump to 15 or something is crazy to me. Like, you got to put some work in. If you look at the other schools that are in that top 15, typically, they all either have tremendous history of putting guys in the NFL or winning or a huge fan base. And Georgia Tech's missing those ingredients right now. So you got to kind of temper your expectations some as they try to build this thing up. The idea is this is a five, seven-year project where you lift up the recruiting to be elite, it's not a, it's not done in two years or three years. Oh yeah, uh, I I can agree with you on that, and I I think that another thing that the fans are really kind of experiencing is a bit of like a a culture shock. Not I guess I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but just the shock that they they were in comparing the last class to the ones prior, and the um, just the overall intensity of the way that that the kids are being recruited and also I feel like on my end the way that it was reported you know like recruiting at Georgia Tech it was normally done what normally by the end of the summer right so basically uh, by August the class was together Um, usually before um, like the start of the high school season they would have the bulk of the class committed and those kids were locked in. They weren't taking visits. They weren't, you know, Paul Johnson didn't really allow that. So kids weren't, because if you took a visit, that means your scholarship opened up and they could recruit on top of you. So it held guys in check and they were recruiting different kinds of guys. So you could go, you go take a five foot nine running back that is shifty, right? A guy that's maybe falling through the cracks. It's not going to be a top of the board guy for Tennessee or Auburn you're not getting into those Jameer Gibbs fights. You're getting in a fight for slightly different guys or the running backs they recruited are bigger guys, right? Like they're big, thick, um, kind of almost fullback-sized guys. They're power runners. And that's a little bit different than taking, you know, even a Jemias Griffin and stuff who they did recruit. But um, just the body types, what they were looking for was so much different. It made it recruiting totally different. Because even like the receiver piece, most of the receivers they liked were bigger bodied guys. They were almost flex tight end level guys like Jalen Camp or PJ Harris or um, Zach Owens. And then some smaller guys like Malachi Carter, but it wasn't a giant fix on just finding um, this type of guy. Like the, they weren't in a lot of dogfights for the Miles Brooks and the Jameer Gibbs and Bryce Gowdy's of the world. Just wasn't the way that um, their recruiting was. They did very well on the defensive side of the ball recruiting, but um, it's just it's a totally different animal because the way this group is trying to recruit is they're going in and fighting Florida 
South Carolina, Auburn, you know, for kids. Like, go look at, if you go back and look and see who they beat on some of the kids, it's kind of impressive. They straight up beat Florida for Gibbs, and Ohio State was kicking around a little bit as well. You know, like, that's a pretty good get. You know, like, there's not a ton of those guys. And so you're in a weird spot because this class, they can't take Wayne Green. Wayne Green has a lot of potential, right? He's a very much kind of project guy, big offensive. They don't make humans his size, six foot seven and very lean, 270 pounds. Um, but he's a guy that is probably might take two or three years to play. Like, in this class, they don't have the spaces for the offensive lineman to take that guy. They need to find the 5.7 guy that can – or four-star guy that can play, right? So – that's where all of this kind of gets interesting, and I'll be really curious to see how how the recruiting goes down, what the um, makeup of this class is at the end of the day, because I think it's unfair to judge in April, the end of April, where they are versus where they are staying in August. And as I said on the board with the Tatum thing, these things aren't over till they're over. There's going to be coaches getting fired. There's guys that move around guys who get head coaching jobs other places. There's lots of movement and moving pieces in this. And a lot of the guys who are in that 150, rivals 250, um, end up flipping. It's just kind of a, a um, the way things work as coaching changes go on. As our world evolves with the COVID-19 stuff, there's going to be a lot of things that change come up, you know, August, September, October, that we haven't even pondered yet in terms of how all of this things, how all of these things look what conferences look like if schools drop out of conferences temporarily because of the things. There's a lot of stuff left to be resolved. I think people need to just kind of relax and let things play out and not get too bent out of shape if if they don't like the way things are trending, even if um, even if we enjoy the traffic on our message board where people talk about this stuff, it's still not maybe the best idea to get too upset about it. Like, there was a guy who was his first post ever, actually, who was kind of just very distraught today about the Tatum news. And I was like, man, you got to chill. This is – we're in, like, the second inning of a baseball game right now. Like, this ain't the ninth. It ain't, this, ain't even the seventh inning stretch. you got to chill. This is a long game. Playing the long game, you're not playing the short game. Right. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good analogy. And uh, you just maybe miss baseball a little bit more, but I'll be all right. Well, I think it's coming back soon, man. I'm actually hopeful for baseball uh, to be one of the first things that comes back. Baseball and golf, that's what I hear. And NASCAR. Yeah, golf, I, golf they can play right now. I don't understand why they don't play golf. You don't need people for golf. So you, get, you can, that, that lame clap that you get in the background, like uh, after somebody hits a shot and someone yelling, Baba Booey. Like, that's not that hard to, to – to uh, drop that in if they want to. Um, I think they could easily play golf, but maybe they don't want people. And all the golfers, by the way, they don't fly commercial. They'll fly like private jets and stuff, so you don't have to worry about it. That's not really impacting anybody either. So uh, the only probably issues would be like where do those guys stay and that kind of stuff. So I'm not too uh, not going to be too surprised to see that back up and running soon. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, getting talking about planes and, and travel, um, these kids, there's going to be so many that want to go on visits to all these places. 
it's going to be really interesting to see, number one, how Georgia Tech handles it because they have the, the layers thing because they have all these in-state kids who they're offering who either have been to campus maybe once or twice, and then you have the other kids who are, are like regulars on campus like Cam Ball. And, yeah, and yeah, and those kids are going to end up getting squeezed when this is all said and done, um, when when those visits start taking place again. Yeah, exactly. And then you know some of the kids who are getting squeezed now, when um, to the out of state schools that wear purple. Um, yep. When this when this happens, eventually those schools might start to like a prospect inside of the state that they're in a little bit more. And that's when you get into the, the safe landing spot zone and the drop zone and, and things like that. And that's where things can get interesting. And that's where I think I talked about it last, but on the, the live Q and a on, on jackets online was that there's going to be more decommitments and flips than possibly we've ever seen before. It's either yeah. going to be, go ahead. I was just saying, I think a lot of kids are just doing things because they're bored. Like, yeah. I've seen kids commit. There's a, a rather infamous one on our message board that we talk about a lot that's, I think, on his third school now, um, who uh, who we think just commits places because he's bored and doesn't feel like he's getting enough love that week from the school. And, you know, the, the, there's just stuff like that. Kids – and some, I think there's some pressure from parents, too, that, you know, with all the uncertainty right now, let's, let's jump on this opportunity and lock it down and then worry about the rest of it later, you know? Yeah, I think that's so true. The parents, I mean, it's parents over, overpower kids sometimes in recruitment, and um, that, that, could, that could definitely be a deciding factor for a kid, especially if, you know, mom says, you know, I really want you to, to make sure you have a spot somewhere. Why don't we just go ahead and do this? I just got off the phone with Coach So-and-so, and, and he's willing to take you. And and then that's just how it goes. And that commitment's there, and then other schools continue to recruit them. But the, the interesting thing is, like, a school like Clemson, who is, you know, recruits really well, recruits nationally, um, they, they lost the number one recruit in the country because they, they weren't going to budge on their no-visits thing. My thing is, is why not, why talk about that when these kids can't even go on visits right now? Yeah, I think it's uh, putting the cart before the horse a little bit. But I mean, I don't know. That was I, I just thought that was interesting because you know these kids can't go on visits. Why are you telling them they can't go on visits? I just thought it was interesting. Maybe there's like virtual visits going on, which uh, there are, but I don't. You can't compare the two. Like, there's no comparison to being in Atlanta at Georgia Tech, no matter how well they try to do it virtually, you know, if they're using virtual reality glasses or anything, it's, it, it, there's no replication of that, not directly. For sure. And I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of um, what ends up happening as, uh, as this kind of all unfolds. I, I think that um, – I'm I'm gonna be really fascinated to see how nuts like August to December and then I think I think we may see a lot more kids signing in February and the fallout of all of this depending on how long this stuff lasts. That's, yeah, definitely. A lot of kids signing in February and a lot of kids not take not wasting their OVs early. 
Yeah, well, and it hurts. So what this hurts the most is the, uh, the schools like Notre Dame or Purdue or Wisconsin or Iowa State that are in the crappiest weather states in the country in the winter. And now you got kids coming up in December, or so, you know, because things are locked down. And what the hell do they do? Because the weather's going to be bad. That's sort of their only advantage. Is it is very nice in the summertime or in the late spring in those places. And they didn't get any of their visits in. Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be tough when they bring those Florida kids up to Wisconsin in December. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely a little bit different. And it's going to be interesting to see how all of that uh, that on, unfolds for those those schools that are in that weird uh, situation. Um, that kind of poached kids from the south. They recruit Georgia hard. They recruit Florida hard. The two areas where Georgia Tech makes their most bones in recruiting. So uh, you know it'll be interesting. You did a story this week on kids you thought would be the next to commit. I'd suggest people check that out if they want an idea of kind of where things are going uh, with Georgia Tech recruiting. They give you a little bit of a ballpark. Um, in yeah, terms I've, got a, of, uh, I've got another piece coming uh, tomorrow about 10:05. Um, about what's next at the linebacker and defensive end position following the news of the past 48 hours. Cool. And there's one more kid that we think will be coming off the board, not in Georgia Tech's favor very shortly, so stay tuned for that one as well. Um, any kind of final thoughts, Russell? Um, I, I kind of just wanted to touch base on the uh, the DB that committed on – and it's all the days run together. Was it Monday or Tuesday? Uh, I think it was Monday morning, wasn't it? The 28th. That was Tuesday. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. I had, to, I had to pull up the office. They do, they, they do run together, don't they, these days? Oh, man. Um, you know, I talked to his coach. I talked to some people who he played against. And, um, you know, well, I'll have a story with his, with his coach on the site as well coming up soon. But my biggest thing, and I, I touched on it last night, was that um, a lot of people were, were considering him to be a, a reach. And, and my thought was was that there's no way that the staff is going to offer a 21, like a 2021 recruit in February as a reach. Like that's just not, that's just not what happened. So that was really my, my main point last night. But it was also the fact that he's got the size. He's already 6'2". And he could very well end up being 6'3 before he reports in December, assuming early enrollees are allowed. But the thing that, that <laughs> hurt him was that he he couldn't get to camps. You know, he was he was invited to the rivals camp, the Under Armour camp, the, the opening, you name it. He was invited to all of them and was planning on going. And he's a kid that sat down, talked to his high school coach. His coach was like, yeah, hey, you know what, I really think that this might be the, the right time to, to pull the trigger if you're you're loving a school right now. Rather than waiting, you, you think you know where you want to go, to do it. So he, he made the call, texted Coach Burton, committed to Georgia Tech, talked to Collins, that was that. But the, the thing that would have constituted a, a reach, in my opinion, was if he was like, you know, 5'11", 5'10", 150, 160, you know, one, one of those small, like, nickel guys. Yeah. And if he hadn't been on campus, because he was on campus the weekend before things got shut down. That was the weekend where they had several 
guys who have either been top targets or have emerged as top targets recently on campus. And, and they've been able to kind of capitalize on that because for the most part, they were their last, those kids' last visit. Sure. And the reality is the safety room is about to change over majorly in the next two cycles here for them because they're going to have a glut of older kids leaving the program. You have basically upperclassmen. You have Wanye, Avery Showell, Sheree Carpenter, Caleb Oliver, um, Charlie Thomas. All those guys are going to be – that's five guys right there that are going to be gone in the next two years. So you need to kind of start to think about restocking it. They didn't really sign a safety in the last class, I think. Um, off the top of – I'm trying to think off the top of my head, did they sign one in, in 2020? Um, the only guy who was sort of on the fence was Jalen Huff, who's too small to play safety. So, um, you know, that's an important position, but also one where you might see three signees. It's one of the few spots, I think, in the cycle where you're going to see uh, multiple signees in this class. So it gives them a little more room to, to, to take a flyer on a guy like that that's a big dude who they like a lot and maybe see – and it could be a situation where they see him as an eventual nickel guy who can put weight on. He can cover. He's big, so maybe he's your eventual nickel guy because um, he already plays some corner as is. So that gives you kind of that flexibility, like in terms of um, being able to cover a tight end or a slot receiver at that nickel position. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think he. Uh, I think he likely starts out at, at safety and then can transition into that that nickel position you were talking about and. Going back to the 2020 class, now the only they signed two DBs. It was Brooks and Huff. So no, they didn't sign a, a safety last year. And to be honest, they really didn't need to. No, I mean they they have plenty of those type of body types on on the roster as is. Um, that's other than running back, the one other really well stocked position they inherited was the safety position. So um, they were able to just kind of ignore that in the last cycle. Plus they had got it added Derek Allen. Um, the transfer from Notre Dame, so they they feel good about where they were in terms of the safety position. That was kind of Jeff's deal on that. Yeah, and they were able to to sign four receivers and almost a roster full of offensive linemen instead. <laughs> well, any other thoughts, Russell? Uh, no, I think uh, I think that that really about covers it. Um, you know, basketball recruiting still. Still going. Uh, we got a, a story on the, the site about Alex Budge, and then there was also recently a story from the, the national guys about um, Georgia Tech pushing really hard to keep Matthew Cleveland home, and, and really just you know just trying to get some momentum in the, the high school recruiting like they have in the transfer recruiting. For sure, it'll be interesting um, to see how this kind of unfolds over the next few months here and. Hopefully we'll have some more news, uh, maybe some good news the next time we get together. Yeah, definitely. All right, for Russell Johnson and Kyle Clement, this has been the Jackets Online Podcast. Thanks for listening.